Good morning. How you doing, faith builders? Once again, happy Palm Sunday. Come on, hallelujah. My wife was shouting, Hosanna. I'm like, Hosanna. I'm going to town in the front row. I feel the presence of God in this place. Amen. Good to be with you. Those that are watching online, God bless you as well. Um, I want to I take a moment to share with you or show you where I feel we are at prophetically as a people. And it's, there's a bit of a challenge in this. So just stay with me. Ezekiel 12, verse 22 says this. It says, And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, what is this proverb that you people have about the land of Israel? Talking about not what he said as a proverb, but what they talk about. This is something that's in their tents that they talk about all the time. And he says, it says this, The days are prolonged and every vision fails. In other words, it seems like what we're believing for is never going to happen. He said, tell them, therefore, thus says the Lord God, I will lay this proverb to rest. <laughs> Y'all, let's go preach this morning, I promise you. And they shall no more use it as a proverb in Israel. Everybody say, no more excuses. But say to them, the days are at hand and the fulfillment of every vision. For no more shall there be any false vision or flattery divination within the house of Israel. Israel's a type of the church. For I am the Lord. I speak. I speak. And the word which I speak will come to pass. It will no more be postponed for in your days, O rebellious house, I will say the word and perform it, says the Lord. Again, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, look, the house of Israel is saying, the vision that he sees is for many days from now. And he prophesies of times afar off. Watch this. Therefore, say to them, thus says the Lord God, none of my words will be postponed anymore, but the word which I speak will be done, says the Lord. Somebody shout yes! Somebody shout yes! The title of my message this morning is No More Delay. Father, we give you praise. God, we give you glory. God, we thank you for your presence. God, we thank you for your fire. God, we thank you for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Driving out devils, driving out demons, driving out darkness, driving out evil, that your light can come and pierce the darkness and touch us this morning, oh God. We give you praise and glory and honor that the truth from heaven's throne your throne, oh God, will be spoken to the hearer, Lord God, to your people, Lord God. Challenge us if you may, but we'll not walk out these doors the same way we came in. We're going to be better, and we're going to get gooder. Somebody say amen and amen. Gooder and gooder, amen. I want us to look at Luke chapter 17, verse number 5. And the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. So the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea and it would obey you. How many knows that trees don't grow in the sea? They just don't. But if you got faith 
even the size of a mustard seed, you can speak to that tree, be uprooted from where it's at, and be planted in a foreign environment, and it will produce fruit and grow. In other words, an impossibility can become possible if you just have faith. And not just, you don't have to have great faith, but even the size of a mustard seed. A mustard seed is very small. It's a very little. If it dropped it on the floor, you probably wouldn't be able to find it too quick because it's, it's, it's actually the color of mustard. And, and, and it, it's so tiny. But Jesus related to the mustard seed and said, look, the mustard seed, though it's very small, when it's planted in the garden, it grows and becomes the greatest herb in all the gardens, so big that its branches are, are, are well uh, endowed enough and strong enough that actually can hold the bird's nest and make sure, make sure the birds are taken care of just by, out of something so tiny and so small. So something so small, watch this, here's the principle. What seems so insignificant can become the catalyst for change in your life. Don't ever discard your faith. If you can believe, come on somebody, you can achieve. If you can believe for it, don't let nobody steal what God says you can have. And church, when you want change, a seed is all you need. God can change your delay from a denial of destiny to a demonstration of great degree. Somebody shout, no more delay. One more time, shout, no more delay. Church, God didn't leave you helpless with no way out, no plan to move forward, no way to rise above. But my Bible tells me that God will make a way where there seems to be no way. And the Bible says that his ways are higher than mine. His thoughts are higher than mine. So we got to come up higher. Say it's time to come up higher. And what is his way? The Bible says his way is, watch this, seed, time, and harvest. Say it one more time. Seed, got to give it some time, and then harvest. He said the kingdom of God is this as if a man should take seed and scatter it upon the ground. And then he goes to sleep by night and rises by day. He doesn't know how, but he knows the day will come that there will be a manifestation. It will take root, it will grow and bring fruit. It'll take root and then bring fruit. There's a time element. Most people can't stand the time part of it because that's the process. But instead, we have to understand that in the process, we got to trust God during the process that something is happening just below the surface. I wish I could preach in this church this morning. In other words, it may look like God's not doing nothing, but there's a whole lot more going on where you can't see. That's the place where you trust the Almighty and say, God, I trust you. It's going to come to pass. Come on. Seed, time, harvest. The kingdom of God is just like that. If you can't proceed, plant a seed, and then God will give you what you need. Somebody shout yes. Turn your neighbor and say, he's talking to me. Now I know that. He is definitely talking to me. <laughs> and this has, been, this has been our story here at this church from its inception. Because we started this church with absolutely no connections. We had a couple people that we knew. And we didn't have uh, a lot to go by. Except for we knew that we had a word from God to come to this city and start a church. Back in 1999, we were going to party like it's 1999 and 2021. Hallelujah. 
You got to go way back for that. Hallelujah. And, and so we didn't know anybody, didn't have any connections, but we started to put the vibe out there to say, you know, we're going to start this church in Milwaukee. And we got negative feedback right away. People saying, oh, people have tried to start churches there. You don't want to go there. Just start. Go somewhere else. Like as if I have a choice. It's where God called us to go. And so we knew that we were going to do that no matter what. So we kind of discarded those things. But um, there was a man, I don't know how in the world this happened. But I will tell you this, where God guides, he provides. And a man found out we were coming to Milwaukee. And he decided he was going to sow his tithe and offering into us while we were preparing to go to Milwaukee. We weren't even here yet. We were just talking about going. And we had set up a P.O. box. And every single week, he put a check in that P.O. box. And he would write the check, nice sizable amount. Uh, not crazy, but, you know, for, for beginning, that was really good. And in the memo, he wrote, Milwaukee Miracle. I met with the man. I talked with him one time on the phone. I met with him in the middle somewhere. We're still planning to come here. We weren't here yet. We started in May of 99. So somewhere, I don't remember, somewhere around March, I met with him, had a little lunch with him. And uh, I'll be honest with you, it was a little bit different, you know. Uh, it, you know, I was like, okay, amen. You know, he's a little bit different. And uh, I don't, have you ever met different people? You all look at me like you've never met someone different before in your life. He's a little bit different, you know. Nice man. And, um, and so it was, it was nice to talk to him. And so he kept bringing those, sending those checks, right? The day we started this church, he was supposed to be there. He never showed up. I've never seen the man again. But thank God he provided those checks so we were able to take what we little had a little bit on our bank account, all we had, and those checks were able to launch the ministry. We were able to buy some equipment and get started with in a hotel and get started with just a handful of people. I'm just here to tell you, everything starts with a seed, and where God guides, he provides. And what God... What God sets forth, he's going to make it happen no matter what it looks like. And it always starts small. Quit thinking it's got to be this size or this big before I can step out in faith. It's a mustard seed faith. Church, I want to make this prophetic decree this morning. You're about to move from a time of hesitation to a time of manifestation in your life. I wish I could get 10 more people to agree with this morning. Let me say it one more time. I said you're about to move from a time of hesitation to a time of manifestation in your life. Come on. God's about to remove the delay from your life. Are you ready to start moving in haste? Are you ready to start seeing this turnaround breakthrough happen in your life very quickly? Last night when the sun came down at sundown was Passover. We are now entering into a brand new year with God. Everybody say, my yesterday is gone. Just wave at it. Bye. Bye. God has started a brand new day with you. Who's ready to enter into a brand new season with the Almighty? Come on. With the Almighty God. Come on. Say, this is my time. This is my season because I celebrate it with my God. Passover last night, it hits last night, which the Bible says that when you Passover happens, you eat that Seder meal. You do it, watch this, with your belt on your waist, 
your, your sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand, and you, you eat that, just eat it up fast. Why? He said, eat it in haste. For what I'm about to do, I'm going to do quickly. This God is going to move you out of hesitation into manifestation in 24 hours. Come on. I see somebody's bills being radically reduced. I see somebody's car note being paid off. I see someone's body being radically healed. I see marriages coming back together again. Can you see it? Woo! Glory to God. You can be seated. Hallelujah. Let's look at 2 Kings chapter 4 real quick. 2 Kings, man, we got this church, y'all. Y'all, y'all need to be slapped. My mother taught me if you talk back, you get slapped. Y'all talking back too much, praise God. But I like it. <laughs> Amen. Let's get serious. 2 Kings 4, verse number 1. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha. Okay, we, we, we say things and we go right past them. We, we read and we just go right past it. All of us do it. The Bible has to be investigated. It has to, you, you have to look at it legally and look, what does this mean? What's, what's being said here? What's actually being said here? There's so much information right there. And the information and data that we have right there is that this woman was a church woman. In the sense that she was a wife of a prophet. So when she talks to Elisha, she's not talking to someone she doesn't know or he doesn't know. He knew her very well and knew her husband very well. He just passed away. And she's got a dilemma and she comes to the man of God. Now the man of God here represents, the, watch this, somebody that's close to her, so it's familiar to her, but also he represents the prophetic word of the Lord. We need a word from God, a rhema, prophetic. Rhema means alive. You have logos word and you have rhema word. Let me teach you something. Logos and rhema, those are Greek terms. The logos word means the written word. Thank God for the written word. But then you have the rhema word, which is the word made alive. So the book we call the Bible is not just a logos word that we read good stories in. It's alive. And powerful. Come on, the Bible says it's alive and it's powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the dividing of the soul and spirit and joints of heart. And it's the concern of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So that's what we're talking about this morning. She goes to the living word of God, Elisha. And she cries out to him, this church lady. And the woman said, your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord. And the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. This debt, folks, this debt has come to enslave her entire family. Debt is not, debt is not a sin, but it has the potential of enslaving us. And she's feeling it now. So Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? We read that and we go right past it. Oh, he's being nice, he's being nice. No, he said something to her. Elijah, folks, wasn't asking how I, he could help her. He was saying, what shall I do about it? 
Why are you talking to me about this? He said, what do you have in your house? In other words, he's asking, he's saying this. He's, he's pointing out that if you want a miracle, you're going to have to find yourself a seed. Don't look to me. Look to what God's already given you. Y'all are closer to a breakthrough than you want to admit. There's already a breakthrough in your house and you don't even know it yet. But God's about to reveal it to you. Why? He's Jehovah Jireh. His provision shall be revealed. And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Then he said, go borrow vessels from everywhere. From all, as soon as she identified the seed... Here comes the strategy. Y'all, y'all, y'all. I, I want to, I, I just want to say this in tongues, y'all get the interpretation. Because I'm about ready to f- just fly all over this place. This is the Spirit of God's on me today. He's on me today. And when you have come in, watch this, borrow us, not a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons. Then pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there are not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Your faith, your faith will carry you. Your, your, your miracle will carry you as far as your faith will go. So as many, as many vessels she was able to borrow by faith, knock on those doors, every one of them are going to get full. As soon as that stopped, the oil stopped. Okay. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debt. Don't you know God saw her need? You know, sometimes we think that God don't care about our financial problems. He did. He saw the financial pressure and the enslavement about to happen to her children, and he wanted to answer this. But she had to respond with faith. Though it was small, she had to step out in faith, right? And then the delay was over. No more delay. And you and your sons, watch this, you pay the debt, and you and your sons live on the rest. So it wasn't just a enough supply. It was a more than enough supply. It was an abundant supply that God gave her to not only pay her debts, but them to be able to retire and to live on the rest. A seed started an oil business. I'm prophesying and people are picking up key things right now all over the place for your life. The man of God asked her, what do you have? Remember? This woman had been through that house already with a fine-tooth comb. You don't think that she's already been through every single thing she's got to try to come up with some money to pay those bills? And she came up with, in her words, nothing. There's nothing in the house. Be careful when you say you have nothing. It's not that you have nothing. It's that what you have, you have determined is not enough to fix your problem. But if you ever got the guts to put it in your hand and give it to God, Listen, you don't need to try to figure out the how God's going to do something. You just have to trust that it's already baked into the process. You just need to show action and plant what you do have. Get your mind off what you don't have and what do you have and don't take it and say, I'm going to take this and eat it for myself because today I die. Plan yourself a future and say, I'm going to take this and make it my seed. If it don't meet your need, then it has to become your seed. A husband and a wife 
can talk all day about having children. But until they're ready to get busy. I want to know what love is. Won't you show me? You got to find, amen, time. Amen. That was loud on my elder out here. Amen. By the way, it's good to have my elders back in the house. She said, amen. You was without him for a month, I heard. So, amen. But those trying to make children, amen, they could talk about it all day, but until they actually watch this, put action behind what they say. All the talking in the world won't give them a child. She needs a seed in order to produce a harvest. Some of y'all, this is too much for a Sunday morning. That's all right. I see your faces. I love you. It's biology 101. It's okay. A seed is all you need. When God wanted a family, when God wanted to redeem mankind to himself and build a family, what did he do? He got himself the ultimate seed, Jesus Christ, his only son, and planted him into the earth. And the book of Galatians calls him the capital S seed of God. He planted Jesus in the earth, y'all. He was nothing but a babe that's so vulnerable to every situation around him. Easily could be taken out. Matter of fact, babes were being taken out during that time. The devil was very angry. He didn't know who Jesus was. He didn't know who the Son of God was, but he knew something significant was happening in the earth. And so he began to take these children under the age of three and have them all killed. But Jesus was preserved in a manger. God sent multitudes of multitudes of angels to protect the seed that he sent. And when, when you by faith give your seed, don't you ever think for one second that God don't see it and that God won't protect. Protected that seed and that seed grew up. Though he was a small boy, he grew into a man and he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And that's what we're celebrating this week, all week long, is the death of our Savior, Jesus Christ, because God wanted you, God wanted me. He wanted a family, so he planted his only seed. For God so loved the world that he what? He did what? He gave his only begotten son. He released that seed into the earth. The man who gave the talents, Jesus talked about this as a parable, who gave the talents to his servants. And many of you know the story. Into one he gave one, into another two, into another five. He said, I'm going away for a journey, but I'll be back. And... Um, he gives it to them, and when he comes back, he, he wants inventory of those boys. He wants to know what happened with what he gave. So he calls them all into his court. He says, sir, I gave you five. What's happened? He says, I'm just delighted to tell you. I took that five, and I took it, and I invested it, and I've got, gained you five more. He said, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into my rest. Because you've been faithful over least small, because we're faithful over the little that I gave you, I'm going to give you much more rulership. I'm going to give you much more authority and honor in my kingdom. 
Number two, what did you get? Well, I gave, you gave me two, sir, and I'm happy to, to say I went and I invested. I gained you two more back. He said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You, of all people, know you didn't get five, so your, your portion was, was to sow was even smaller, but you went and did it anyways, and you gained that. Atta boy, high five. Enter into my rest. I'm going to make you ruler over much because you're faithful with what was least. Yo, ma'am, I gave you one. What did you do? Well, sir, I was afraid. I was afraid. And in my fear, I, I, I thought you, you were an austere man and you wouldn't put up with any loss. And so what would happen is you would probably uh, have me killed. And so I didn't know what to do. I didn't want to lose anything. So what I did was I took it and I, I preserved it. And, and here, I have it for you. Now, it's back. I, 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 I'm giving you back what you gave me. I didn't lose it. He said, you wicked and lazy servant. I gave you opportunity for a harvest. I would have much rather come back and you failed than give me back what I already gave you. He said, therefore, you will be on the outside of my kingdom. You cannot be preserved in my kingdom and you cannot have rulership over much. You see, he invested in those men and those men in turn were to invest what they had into the kingdom, his kingdom, which would have been the kingdom of God. And just like this man who invested in his servants, God invests in you. God invests in his people. It may seem small, but it can turn into something huge. And we invest in what we love, folks. That's just a fact. We invest in what we love. I, years ago, I used to say, we can know what you really honor and love in your life if I can see your checkbook register. Now, today, not many checkbook registers out there anymore, but you get the point. If we could see your balance... And we could see that you love Pizza Hut more than you love the house of God. You gave more to Pizza Hut, community church, than you did in the house of God this month. Y'all looking at me now. Because Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You can't separate the two, right? And so we invest in what we love. And what do we invest? What is it that we actually invest in the earth? of ourselves, our time, our talent, and our treasure. Our time is a great investment because that's all we have, right? It's time, and it will run out one day, right? Uh, our, our treasure, that's our finances, but also our talents, our abilities. Our God-given abilities become, they may be small, but when they're seeded, they're, they're sowed into the kingdom, they can become great. And by the way, all of you have talents. And I'll just put this out there. Some of y'all sing. Right? And what you should do is get over that fear and say, I'm going to be a part of the music team. Now, you got to go through a little bit of a tryout and you got to make sure you got a voice, you know? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Every single person up here were scared, spitless. They didn't want to do it either. But they went ahead and did it and they were probably better than they thought they were. And we get it when people have off days. That's, that happens. But we can tell there's a quality there. You should come and try out to be part of our, we have our Monday night stuff that we'll probably put a thing up pretty soon and we'll have you try it out. You should come using your talent. Some of you like order. You like order. We need you involved in the ushers team or in the security team. Praise God. We'll teach you how to do that. Some of you have a burden for the next generation to know Jesus. Well, we have a whole children's ministry you can minister in and a whole youth ministry you can minister in. And so we can show you how to do that as well. But I'm saying don't sit back and do nothing. Everybody's got a talent. Psalms 23:1. This is where David loved on God, and he yields to him everything, declaring to him, You are in control. 
The Lord, you are my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. I got abundance in my life. Surely goodness and mercy, those are angels, shall follow me all the days of my life. Come on. Look where he says he's going to invest his time. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There's a love for God's house coming back to the earth again. And God's people are starting to hunger and thirst. You know what I think? Preachers out there preaching, hey, people are going to come back. Look at my church. This church, they're coming back. You know why? Because I believe God is causing a stirring in people's hearts for hunger, to be hungry and thirsty after him again. And we're greater together than we are apart. Somebody say amen. All right, so where do we invest? We invest in the house of God. Why? Why? It's the gathering of God's people. It's where lives are transformed and forever changed. It's where we receive our marching orders from the Almighty. It's where we receive the vision that God has set forth for our city. It's where we have fellowship with our brothers and our sisters for sustained encouragement week after week. It's where the word of God is preached and our faith begins to be built. It's a command of scripture to assemble ourselves together even more as we see the day approaching. It's where we plant ourselves so we can bloom and flourish according to scripture. It's where we have our corporate worship and God inhabits our praises. You know, you can worship alone, but there's something that happens corporately. It's where the power of God is released. One can put a thousand to flight, but two can put 10,000 to flight. In other words, our enemies will, will when we're together in, in the power of unity, what happens? Our enemies are driven out by the thousands out of all of our lives standing together. It's where the river flows according to Jeremiah and we get swept away by the current of God's glory. It's where generations of our family members are blessed and healed and delivered and saved and restored and they're encouraged. It's where our city has a place to focus on God. In other words, they may not know your name or my name, but they know the name of faith builders, the local church. It's where God meets his people with angelic activity, according to Jacob. And we see that in Jacob's ladder. And when he falls asleep and he wakes up in the morning, God said, this place is called Bethel, which means the house of God. And you're right in the house of God. And he saw a ladder extended from the earth into the heavens and an open heaven. And he saw angels ascending and descending. And God spoke to him from the top of the ladder. That's what happens every time we meet. There's angelic activity and God speaks directly with his people. There's something about it. I said, there's something about it. Someone might say, well, I don't like organized religion. As opposed to what? You like unorganized religion? How can a football team win a game without being organized? How can a builder build a house without being organized? How can a hospital save lives without being organized? How does the automotive industry build a car without being organized? I say the reason why there's been so much delay is because God's people have done it all alone rather than unified with each other and becoming the church. Church unity is organization. So while they're out there saying you don't need the church no more, that's old fashioned. That's a lie out of the pit of hell that'll keep you in a place and position to be picked off by the enemy with great ease. But when we all come together and we lock arms together as a mighty army, it's very difficult to pick us off. 
Everybody say, unity is organization. The early church was so unified and organized that they gave all they had, all their time, all their talent, and all their treasure to build the church and to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it worked! Maybe it's not organization you're afraid of as much as it is being a team player. Maybe you don't like the accountability and the responsibility in order to undergird and support and to finance the mission of God. You're more comfortable doing it all alone. I'm here to tell you there's only so much you can do by doing things alone. But when we come together, we can all shoulder the load with great ease. Am I right about a church? Now, this may date me a little bit. <laughs> I remember the Lone Ranger. Everybody wants to do it alone. They was going Lone Rangers. Even the think about it. Even the Lone Ranger had Tonto and Trigger. Somebody say Amen. Even he didn't do it alone. So what? Mess, I was just talking to my elders on on Tuesday night. We we pray on Tuesday nights together, and um, I was confiding in them. And I said one of the greatest mistakes I ever made is being a pastor. You could call it a failure, but a mistake for sure is that I felt like I had to shoulder the burden by myself. Old school. You know, I gotta be a man. I gotta man up. I have to be the daddy. I gotta, you know, the, nobody needs to know what's going on. I, I gotta just take care of this problem myself. And I found myself become more and more diminished every single month. God will, let me tell you something about God. He'll show you something even if it means breaking you down. And I'd rather fall on the rock to be crushed by the rock. Somebody say amen. And he taught me, you don't have to be alone. You're not alone. The people are with you more than you think they are. Stop treating them like children. They're not children. They're my people. And if you'll confide in the, with certain people, they'll help. And, I, and, and the best thing I could have done was to begin to do that in my life. This has now been years ago now, but it's something that I practice in my life. I don't have to be alone. Neither do you. And I'm talking to somebody right now that's watching me. I just feel so strong. I don't know if you're a preacher or a minister and you're doing the same exact thing and you're so depressed and discouraged, you even want to take your life. That's not God. The best is yet to come for you. But you got to have somebody you can talk to. you got to have somebody you can confide in. Don't be afraid. They're going to blab your stuff all over the internet, they won't find the right person and they're going to help you and bless you. Church, there's people in this room the same way. You feel like you got nobody. Let me tell you something. You say, well, if I could just get to the pastor. But see, I'm only one man. But there are people in your life, I promise you, that they, they have a hearing ear. I said, I think on uh, last Sunday or something, I said, the, the mothers of the church. We got mothers in this church. We have mothers that are our old elders, fathers as well. Um, great Christian leaders. But you find somebody. You don't have to be by yourself. Matter of fact, God didn't design it for you to be by yourself. This is so important to understand. It's the church that Jesus loved so much. Not the person, just the person he does. But the, the involvement of God's people together that he loved so much. The ecclesia, the called out ones, the church. That he gave himself for her according to Ephesians chapter 5. That's how important the church is. That's why the enemy attacks the church. The church is where souls are saved. This is a soul-winning church, y'all. We have not won hundreds to people of Jesus, to Jesus. We've won thousands of people for Jesus. Thousands. I don't say that arrogantly or to brag. As a matter of fact, and those who have walked with us know, over and over, year after year, souls coming in the kingdom of God. And now we got 
one of the greatest soul winning tools I can think of all year round will be this coming Sunday, I am Jesus. You've got one responsibility from heaven this week is to invite somebody to come and view this production. It will talk better than I can talk because the lights will be low and it will it'll be music and it'll be acting and they'll see it and we will tell the story of Jesus right before their eyes and it will be as if they're all by themselves and the Holy Spirit is going to convict them. And that's not just because of the production. That's because we've prepared this for months of prayer. Coming as we know people can get saved. If you're online, you'll watch it online. You invite people online. I promise you hundreds of thousands, your loved ones are coming into the kingdom this coming Easter. That's what God promised us. We must believe that. Someone say amen. Well, we couldn't put something on like that and win 500 people to Jesus in one weekend. We couldn't, we've, we've won 1,000 plus on a weekend with three services. It's been amazing. We couldn't do that without the church, the unity of people coming together, right? All right, move on, and I'm done. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Now, um, this is the amplified version, and then I took words and I amplified them. So you might, a few things might be missing as you read it, but it's my study from it. So watch this. Remember this. He who sows sparingly and grudgingly will also reap sparingly and grudgingly. And he who sows generously that blessings may come to someone will also reap generously with and with blessings. Let each one give as he has made up his own mind and purposed in his heart, not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion. For God loves, he takes pleasure in prizes above other things and is unwilling to abandon or to do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt to do it giver whose heart is in his giving. And God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing come to you in abundance so that you may always under all circumstances, hallelujah, feel the ghost of God. And whatever the need be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnish in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. Be not deceived, God is not mine. I'm trying to teach you how to get out of delay. There's a system that God has put in the earth so that there would be no more delay in our lives. He said you would become self-sufficient. There's plenty of words to study, but that one, that pops out. You become self-sufficient. Why? Because I think of the seed. A seed is self-sufficient. It only needs soil. Everything else that it needs is inside. So there's an apple tree inside an apple seed. It just needs the faith of the farmer to release it into the ground and let it be. And let the process of what God already put in place work on their behalf and it will grow and it will produce a harvest. And then watch this, it will never ever stop producing a harvest. Apple trees have been around for thousands of years from one seed. Okay? So he wants us to be like that, self-sufficient. Everything you need, church, everything you need, you already possess. He gave you the time, the talent, and the treasure. It may be the kind of treasure that's in a cupboard like that old woman. She had that little oil, but it's there. And then he gave you the Holy Spirit. Everything you need is in you already. 
I, I think about this a lot. I've never been one to be without money. Why? Before I was in ministry, I just was just a, you know, just a, actually I was a young kid. I was, only 20, I was 21 when I was in ministry. So, but I always worked for, I, I recognize, I found something out. If I work for something, I can get paid. It was like a miracle. If I give a little bit of my time and my talent, I can receive some treasure. So my mom and dad taught me to work. And not just work, but work hard. Do it like you do it for yourself, like you're working for yourself. And so I, I never was out money my whole life. I didn't get it. But my parents did not believe in what's that called? Um, allowances. I allow you to live in my house. I allow you to eat my food. That was old school. But that's the way I was raised. I don't know about you, but that's the way I was raised. My parents didn't believe in allowances. What if I gave you? I'm going to give it for free? I give you this. I give you, I give you life. <laughs> they said, you want something? You work for it. And they might give me a job. But basically, they didn't have any jobs to give. So you know what I do? I go find a job. Now I'm seven, eight, nine years old. And I would go do what? I'd do anything. I would trim bushes. I would mow lawns. I'd get a rake and walk around the uh, blocks and knock on doors. And, and why? I like I liked to go play. I like to have money in my pocket. So I learned. But when I did that, I, I remember so many summers going down by the railroad tracks and picking up pop bottles, soda. Sorry, soda for the Milwaukee people. Where it's pop where I come from. Pick up the bottles and have my fingers in all of them like this. Walk into the store. Come on. Clang, 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 clang. Just, and you get what, like five cents a nickel per? That's lunch. We live in America. There's money everywhere. If you think like a child, come on, somebody, you'll get what I'm trying to say. You'll never be without money the rest of your life. There might be some things you think are beneath you to do, but if you're willing to do them, you will get the treasure. And I did that my whole life. So my mindset has always been if I sow a seed, if I give towards something, I know there's going to be a healthy return back in my life, right? You can become self-sufficient. Everything we need in this church is already in this church. Now, I'm going to move along. There's a miracle in the house. There's a miracle in your house. There's a miracle in this house. Like the woman in 2 Kings. The man of God told the woman to go borrow vessels and not a few. In other words, he's saying, get your faith out. Don't borrow just a few. Get your faith out there. Believe what I'm telling you. And, and God wants to do what? He wants to remove the delay. Because the delay is going to cause her boys to go into prison. And some of you are getting close to being in prison or enslaved by your circumstances. And God wants to remove the delay. You don't need to be waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. You can do something about it right now today. You've got to utilize your faith. Faith is positive expectation. It's believing that whatever I give myself to is going to produce a harvest in my life. Whatever I give, God is not mocked. It will produce a harvest. Before my wife and I came to Milwaukee, God had to see if we were willing to, what we were willing to sow and what we were willing not to sow. So he can't give you much responsibility until you're faithful with what is least. And we didn't know we were being tested for this. We just were being a blessing to the ministry we were already involved in. So you don't even know our testimony. So we started, we just started working the bathrooms. Our job was to make sure the bathrooms were clean. That was our first job. 
and we were, rent, we were renting a school building, and so our job was to make sure the bathrooms were clean. Then the next responsibility was um, uh, youth ministry, and um, we started doing that faithfully. And then the next responsibility we had, my wife did the children's ministry, took over the children's ministry, did that for years. Then the next responsibility, I don't, maybe not have this on priority, but uh, next responsibility uh, was uh, the music ministry. I did the music ministry for years. Next responsibility, and, and still doing youth ministry. And then my next responsibility was to uh, do uh, the um, drama presentations. And I was writing illustrative sermons and also doing others. And so putting on big productions and doing small things. That was my job, not just for the youth, but for the whole entire church. And so that became another responsibility. We did one thing after the other. I never told my dad, who was my boss and my pastor, I never told him no. Whatever he asked me to do, if I thought I could do it or not, I just did it. Because to me, it was an honor and a privilege to be in some sort of capacity working for God. And I wasn't in the beginning getting the paycheck. So I was still working full time and her full time. But we were so excited to be used by God. To us, it was an honor and it was a privilege. What we were doing, we were showing God that we would give what we had. We didn't have a lot. We didn't have a lot yet to, to offer. But what we did have, we just said, we'll do. I didn't have a lot of experience, I didn't have a lot of knowledge. I, I didn't have a lot of money. I didn't have a lot of things. I didn't, I didn't have a lot of anything, really. But what I did was I just put my heart and soul in it, and God began to bless it and bless it and bless it. Whatever you sow, you shall also reap. I sowed into another man's ministry. God saw fit to give her and me our own ministry. And I declare over you, Every delay you have felt that held you back is about to be completely broken in your life. This is your moment. Use your seed as a weapon for your destiny. Somebody shout yes. yes. Say today, I'm going to use what God has given me in the name of Jesus. Now shout like you already got the victory. Shout like you already got it. Shout like those bills are paid. Shout like that health is healed. Shout like that marriage is put back together. Shout! Come on! Hallelujah! Glory to God. We are in Passover right now. God's watching. He's watching. Not to hit you. That's not what I'm saying. Not to knock you down. He, the only judgment he wants to give is the judgment against your enemies. According to the Passover time, it's when he judges your enemies. But he is seen. Will they observe me? Will they make this time my time? Will they turn Netflix off and start speaking with me a little bit and talking with me and getting my word? Will they cut certain things off they normally do to inconvenience themselves for me? Will they trouble themselves for me? Because this is the appointment God makes with his people. doesn't have to be long, but it has to be meaningful. It has to be meaningful. And then will they give? Will they honor me? Will they come to me with a gift? In this church, we believe in that. We teach that. We don't back down from that. You don't have to give to be saved. You still go to heaven. But if you want change on the earth, it's not your way. It's God's way. And my wife and I will utilize our faith once again this year to give another offering, to give our time, and to give of our talents.